0: is intercepted by Sam Mills.
1: Steve oh. Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. time. steps up, throws for the end zone. Olson touchdown. Oh. Brian Burns to the house. This one is picked again. Intercepted by
0: Boston. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone. Touchdown. Samuel, still on his feet, inside the five, to the Touchdown. What a play. And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He it.
1: Oh, you can feel it in the air, Panthers fans. You can feel it in the air. There is activity. There's pollen. You can feel, <laughs> you can feel that in the air, too. But there is some activity as free agency begins to yield some results here in the National Football League. Carolina signing a couple new players today, releasing a veteran. We'll get to that and much more on this edition of the Roar Podcast. John Ellis here from Blue Wire. Hope everybody's having a great start to their week. Billy is off tonight. He'll be back next show. But we got a guest for you. Oh, we got a guest for you, man. This guy has been covering the team since the 1900s. Okay, he's been here for a minute since the Dom Capers, Dodge Viper, and Uptown Charlotte era, okay? And the real ones know what I'm talking about there. Darren Gant, Panthers.com reporter, is on the line with us. Darren? Happy Monday. How are you enjoying this old legal tampering day?
2: <laughs> it is it is certainly legal at this point. Although I am my feelings are hurt that Billy's snubbing me. I'm taking this as a personal affront.
1: call his ass out there gant get. That's what I like. <laughs> oh look. Billy and I both love your work. We think you've done just great stuff over the years for this team in terms of coverage and we're glad to have you on our show here on Blue Wire. Let's just start with what's happening today. We mentioned the the legal tampering window. I love that term. Uh, Carolina's already illegally tampering. We're we're already getting after it. Uh, Zach Kerr uh, has been released tonight, apparently, the defensive tackle. Uh, There was a bit of a surprise, I think, to many. And, And they've signed a couple of offensive linemen. Darren Gant, what do you make of day one here? as the Panthers begin to make some moves.
2: Well, you especially can't give them grades until they've actually officially happened, I think. And, and you know, as as the Frank Gore career in Philadelphia taught us, nothing's done until it's done. Uh, so we'll see. But, I mean, I, I think it was pretty obvious that – going offensive line early was going to be a priority. When you walked into the off season with one starter under contract, you knew they needed, they needed talent and numbers. And so Mm -hmm. far you've spent a big uh, chunk of your money on Taylor Moten and you've kept him and that was your number one priority. And, you know, I I think Line and Irving check off a couple of boxes that are important to Matt Rule as he puts his thing together. He likes positional flexibility. He likes guys that are under 30 years old. And and both those guys hit both those marks. And I think, you know, it it kind of leaves some – room for interpretation i mean if if john miller doesn't come back he might be your starting right guard going in the next season where do you put cam ervic don't know yet we'll see i mean he he could be swing tackle he could be a starting tackle he could be uh he could be starting left guard i mean they they have options now that they did not have but again from going into this process with one starter under contract and not a lot of certainty with six unrestricted free agents going into the year uh, among that offensive line group, you know, they, they knew they were going to have to put a lot of emphasis on that.
1: Taylor Moden. This was a big deal for for a lot of Panthers fans, obviously looking at the structure of this roster. We thought uh, Billy and I both doing this pod for a year now thought Taylor Moden was arguably the best player on that roster last year, the most consistent, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And I think, it's to their benefit to get him locked in for one more year. And on that left tackle, what do they do from here, Darren? What are your thoughts on maybe they'll in draft? Maybe there's a free agent out there. Do you have any initial thoughts on, on where Matt Rule and Scott Fitter might go there?
2: Well, I mean, again, it's obviously very early. We're not even into the actual free agency period yet. There's still a lot of moves to be made, and I expect they're going to continue to make moves. Again, you can't really fill out a roster with what they've got at offensive line right now. So there's a lot of work to be done yet. Um, The one thing I do know is, and I spent a lot of time talking to people about this in Mobile back in January, this offensive line group in the draft is considered to be pretty deep, especially a tackle. So, you know, if you, you would like to have all your blanks filled in uh, prior to the draft so you don't go in buying for need uh, when the draft rolls around. But it is it, – the consensus in the scouting community seems to be that you ought to be able to find starting tackles in the draft outside the top ten. I mean, and guys who can be good starters for you. So, I think that's an option – you know, and I think they'll obviously, you know, continue to shop around. But, you know, Moten was the key to it. And and, I, and it feels a little underwhelming, I think, a lot of times when you, you spend your money on your own guys, because you look at what New England's out there in these streets doing today. And, right. you know, the big money the Bucks are throwing around to keep all their guys. I mean, it, it's, it, it's a lot more dramatic to go spend money on somebody else's people than your own. Right. But a lot of times, the best money is the money you spend on your own guys. And, and I think and and listen they're trying to do a long-term deal with taylor still i I think that's still something that they would love to do in the short term or certainly before july 15th to keep him around long term because matt talks about him as a guy you know as one of their guys one of the guys who embodies all the stuff that you know they want to be as a team i mean he he's shows up every day he's consistent he's Accountable. He doesn't ma- He doesn't commit penalties. He's always on the field. He's, you know, I mean, he's just one of those guys, and, and you don't feel bad spending your money. I mean, he reminds me an awful lot, even though you know, positionally he's not identical, but he he's got some characteristics of Jordan Gross about him. I mean, just that guy who is always there, who you know what you can expect, and it's going to be at a pretty high level from him. So you know, I, I think tagging him was an automatic if you don't get that deal done. And I think you continue to try to do the deal, you know, in the future because he's worth keeping.
1: Well, I thought it was a good piece of cautionary tale journalism. I don't think that was the intent. But your notebook piece last week, Panthers willing to slow play free agency. You made the point just now. Look, it is fun like Tampa, like, uh, you know, what New England's doing today, going out having a shopping spree. You have priorities within that building that need to get sealed up. And I think to your point, you're, you're, you're spot on with that.
2: You know, I do think there's an opportunity to go out and do some things. I mean, even with signing what could be a couple of starters on the offensive line, I mean, they've still got holes. I mean, they need to sign a defensive tackle. They need to sign a cornerback. They need to find some help at linebacker, among other spots. And it's just, I I think what's going to happen, you know, again, it's such an unusual situation with salary cap going down. And that's something that, we really really hadn't had to consider for over a decade and um, really since the lockout year. It's been going up since 2013. It's gone up at least $10 million every year. And, you know, the cap probably would have been about 210 this year uh, except for COVID and you lose all the revenue. And now all of a sudden everybody's dealing with 182.5. And so what I think is going to happen is after this first big wave tonight and tomorrow, when those top, 10, 20 guys on everybody's free agent list get picked off. I I think there's then going to be a little bit of a reset and all those middle class veterans who normally would be out there getting, you know, five, six to $8 million deals are going to be looking for work. And a lot of them are probably going to get one-year deals, and a lot of them probably will prefer a one-year deal to, um, you know, just to reset again next year when the cap's normal again. So I I think there's an opportunity to find guys in in the next couple of days after the first wave of this thing kind of blows through.
1: Ah, Darren, we got to talk quarterbacks. I, I, I loathe it. I dread it because this is sports talk radio, hot take, hot air material, so we're going to keep this as cogent and decent as possible for your sake and mine. (laughs) The Deshaun Watson rumors obviously are out there, so we, we all understand that's going on. We'll see what happens. There's Russell Wilson chatter. Who knows what's going to happen there? You've got a litany of rookie quarterbacks available, presumably at eight or possibly trading up for one that would be available. And then you've got Teddy Bridgewater, very much a part of this team. Very much under contract. As uh, Billy and I talked about last year when that deal broke, we looked at the specifics and understood, guys, this is a two-year deal with a third out. And right. don't expect there to be easy maneuvering if year one doesn't go well. And, and so here we are. You know, obviously, the the intro to the big offseason for Scott Fitter was the reported interest in Matt Stafford. Uh, obviously, the team is still very interested in Bridgewater's success, it sounds like. What's yeah. the most honest assessment you can give us on what they're trying to do right now.
2: Uh, well, I, I think probably, and again, it's Monday night at 7.15, and there's a lot of stuff that could happen between now and Wednesday night or, or much less the draft. I think the honest way to say it is um, they want to get better across the board. Quarterback is a spot where, you know – They'd like to improve if they can. It's not an automatic that they're able to. Wanting to be in the Deshaun Watson mix isn't the same as, yes, by God, you're going to get Deshaun Watson. I mean, I think there are other people who are interested in that, too. And, And here's some breaking news for you. You know who's interested in Deshaun Watson? Everybody except the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, that's what ought to be interested in Deshaun Watson. I, yep. I think every other team in the league. So, sure, I think there's some interest. But even if they've got extreme interest, there's no guarantee they're going to be able to land that fish. I, I think, you know, and I've thought throughout, I mean, you know, teams like the Jets, teams like the Dolphins have more goodies to offer. So uh, there's no guarantee. We'll see. I mean, I I think there's an interest, obviously, you know, they were in the Matt Stafford deal uh, because, you know, and again, I don't say this with any offense, you know, Matt Stafford's better than Teddy Bridgewater, you know, Deshaun Watson's better than Teddy Bridgewater. So, yeah, I think if you upgrade, you can, but there's also a non-zero chance (laughs) that Teddy (laughs) Bridgewater's the quarterback uh, in a couple of weeks. So I I think in that instance – You've got to kind of reset and think, okay, how do you build that thing around him? And, you mm-hmm. know, obviously getting Christian McCaffrey healthy is the biggest part of that, I, I think, first half of the year. And in a couple of games when Christian was out there, Teddy looked okay. Teddy didn't look so great later in the year. Well, uh, and But he's also become a little bit of an easy mark at this point. I think it, it, as hard as it might be for a lot of people to look at him going into next season – you know, a lot of the criticism I think of the guy is a little unfair because, again, he was out there without Christian McCaffrey. He was out there without Russell O'Coombe, you know, and patching in left tackles. So, what an ideal situation. Did he play well? No, he didn't. Uh, that's a long way of saying it's complicated.
1: <laughs> that's right. Well, I like long ways of saying it's complicated. Makes for better content, Darren. As you know, Bridgewater pretty much gave me what I expected. I did not expect 50 touchdowns. I didn't expect 30 touchdowns. But what I see on tape from Teddy are just some limitations in terms of vertical passing, vertical processing. Uh, Athletically, he's very good. Uh, He did get hurt last year, and that's something Matt Rule had talked about, as you know, that we want Teddy healthier. Uh, I am interested in this, though, from your perspective. I'm fascinated by Matt Rule's messaging. I know it's early on for the guy. I do like a lot of what I'm hearing. He reminds me a little bit of the John Fox. He's got that high energy. Uh, he's not chomping the Nicorette like Foxy used to on the sidelines. They, they've got that similar sort of blue-collar New York Giants mentality going on there. From an energy perspective, I like Matt's energy. I like what he brings. From a messaging perspective, he was up and down on Teddy all year. Now, folks out there on Twitter will say, well... He's back and forth. He's waxing and waning. I look at it differently. I think Matt is very demanding, and I think Matt Rule is not afraid, much like one of his uh, mentors, Tom Conklin, and his mentor was Bill Parcells, to call guys up, and I think he's been fair about it, but let's be honest, Darren, he's been very direct about how he feels about Teddy, good and sometimes bad.
2: Yeah. I mean, Matt Burns hot. There's no doubt about that. I think he'd probably tell you the same thing. He's a high intensity guy. He expects a lot out of people. Um, and, and he's going to be demanding. He's going to practice them hard. It's, uh, you know, the one thing I can tell you having been in there a little bit, I, you know, last year wasn't a normal year by any stretch, but not seeing training camp type practices, so to speak, um, for November and December practices, um, they ran at a pretty high tempo. I mean, they get after it pretty good. And he's going to push guys. He's going to make some people uncomfortable. Yeah, and listen, if he's going to play Teddy in the fall, he wants a better version of Teddy. Mm -hmm. If he can't get a better version of Teddy, he'll go find somebody else to do it. And I think the same thing's true up and down that roster. He's going to want a a better version of – you know, linebacker play, a better version of safety play, you know, that's just how it's going to roll with this guy. And I think, you know, it's taking him, listen, I mean, let's be honest, there's some adjustment going from the college game where you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds. And all of a sudden you walk in and you're dealing with guys, you know, between 25 and 30, some yeah, of them. There ain't a lot there ain't a lot of no, thirties around here. And, you know, <laughs> it's fewer except by the except decade. Except for you,
1: except for you, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I wish I was a 30. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah, I mean, Matt's going to push those guys. There's no doubt about that, but uh, he's a, he's a different sort of cat. I, I hear what you're saying about John and they are similar in that they're both all ball. I mean, they yeah. are all coaches yeah. and that is what they do. And, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops because he's going to put his own stamp on this team for the next little bit. And and I think that's going to be through moves made in the next, you know, week to two months between now and the draft. It's going to turn into a Matt Rule production absolutely over that time.
1: Right. And, you know, a seven-year deal is a big deal. That's a huge contract, a huge commitment. But you've covered this league for a long time there, and you know that seven years shrinks pretty quick when you don't start winning. Matt Rule's got a huge contract. That's a, yeah. big, that's a big dollar amount to pay a guy just to coach. Scott Fitter is a very experienced personnel guy from Seattle. He's been there for 20 years, man. Worked with Mike Holmgren, for crying out loud. And then uh, Dave Tepper, who has a, um, I, I would suppose, a pretty big say in some matters on the football side. And then you've got Simmer Suleiman, You've got Pat Stewart. What are the mechanics right now? How heavy is Mad Rule in terms of having a hand in personnel? Does he – he talks about, I'm just a coach, guys, I'm just a coach. Does he have a say, uh, Darren, do you I, think?
2: I mean, look, look at the contract numbers. I think that's going to tell you a lot of what you need to know. Um, and, and look at the way – and Scott's been honest about this since he's been in town. I mean, this is like – you know, Pete Carroll and John Schneider in Seattle. And there were a lot of people who wondered about the power structure there. Well, the power structure was Pete's in charge and John's here to help him. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what's going on now. You know, I mean, it's not a subservient. It's not like an absolute dictatorship or anything like that. I think Scott's got enough chops in scouting and is respected enough around the business that, you know, he's got... Oh, he's got more weight. I mean, he's not a pushover, not a patsy, but they want to put together that Pete Carroll John Schneider type front office. And, mm-hmm. and you talk about Dave. The thing about Dave Tepper is he's passionate about his product. He yeah. wants, uh, you know, he wants very badly for this thing to be good and he wants it to get good as soon as it possibly can. Uh, so I think, you know, right now what that means is he's extremely interested in getting this thing better. So, you know, does that mean he's a meddler? Too soon to say. But what I can tell you is the guy is absolutely interested in his product and and wants to push every button he can as an owner. I mean, I, I think one of the things that, you know, is going to be a factor in the long term success of these guys is stuff like training center. And, and I mean, Dave's basically promised, I'm going to spend all the money I can on stuff, not salary cap. Right. So anything other than players, he's going to, he's promised to spend his money on. So I think that's going to be, you know, a big component of it. If you've got good facilities, if you've got a stable workplace, you know, and people, you know, like your program, it's going to be easier <sighs> to be successful. So we'll see how all that stuff comes together. But, you know, I mean, Dave also put a little extra pressure on himself by talking about quarterbacks. I mean, he, yes. you know, sort of puts a bullseye on himself and the team as a whole when he comes out and says some of the stuff he said this offseason.
1: No question. It's a fascinating story to watch. I will say this, they uh, very soon will not be practicing in ballrooms anymore. That's a net positive, Darren. What do you think?
2: Yeah, they, they do have that <laughs> bubble that you absolutely need in Charlotte three or four days a year. <laughs>
1: Well, it just seemed like uh, the, the JJR days. You know, how I've worked every big game, it's the flood of the century, and there they are at the yeah, local Marriott every, or wherever. Everybody, no
2: always, everybody always remembers those couple of three rainy days yep. per year. Nobody ever remembers the 200 blue skies and moderate temperature days when they're standing out there under the sunshine thinking, man, look how cool it is to practice in Charlotte. Oh, Don yeah. Bro, they're tight ends, coach. Love Coach Bro. He would walk out on the practice Field every day, it'd be sunny and 60 degrees, and he'd say, This is why people retire to Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don Don is Carolina. There's
1: a name for that. I had yeah, Luther, one of my good friends, Luther Broughton, who played there decades ago. We oh, talked all yeah. the time. Old Luther is an old Furman guy, Darren, and we talked about Don Bro. Don was his position coach, and he couldn't stop talking about Donnie, bro. He, of course, Don had a legendary career with Joe Gibbs in Washington too. Man. And he brought up similar stories about Don. I think he still lives in Charlotte. Uh, great, great, great guys to talk to. And it's just one more thing we like to do here at our, at our little product, our little nest here is talk the history of the team. So let's do that. Greg Olson and Thomas Davis have come home. Uh, have retired as Carolina Panthers. Obviously they uh, each left, Uh, for you know opportunities to sort of get you know maybe one more shot at a ring and usually that doesn't always work out and it didn't for these guys but props to them for giving it a shot Uh, just from my perspective you know two of the cornerstone guys of this franchise over the last 10-15 years uh, I'll put it over to you though I mean you've known these guys for a long time how was that to see these guys coming back home and being welcomed uh, by this new regime Uh, who I thought did a great job of honoring the tradition of these two guys and reflecting on the history.
2: Yeah. It, it was a really neat and, and being in the building and, and seeing not just the ceremony that was live stream, but the reception after the fact, the one thing, and again, this goes back to Dave Tepper for being passionate. I think it's important for Dave to understand that there was a lot of stuff. I mean, Panthers never won a Super Bowl. you know, career record and franchise history is under 500, but there's been some cool stuff happen here. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's good for Dave to tap into that a little bit. And then yeah. he was, was kind of instrumental in rebuilding the relationship with 89. He, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to make sure this event the other day was first class and and guys got honored. I mean, he didn't have big relationships with either one of these guys uh, the way the previous owner did, the way he's had with other people in the last couple of years. But, you know, I think it's important to tap into that history and have a sense of it because Thomas and Greg, as great as they were on the field, and they were both outstanding and did stuff nobody else did. I mean, Greg Olson's first tight end to ever go three straight 1,000-yard seasons. Mm -hmm. Thomas Davis, first guy to ever come back from three ACLs, and he played in the Super Bowl with a broken arm, for God's sakes. This man literally gave his body to play football. So um, I think it's important for temper, and it was such a neat thing, you know, to – create some of that history to tap into that and make sure new guys I mean Thomas said during the thing he's like Matt Rule it's on you now I mean it's it's for you to to carry forward and all the you know great leaders Matt talked about walking down the halls and seeing you know, seeing there's a picture of the six Super Bowl captains, Greg and Thomas and, and Cam and those guys, and, and to hear him talk about what that means, they've got to create that here under Matt Rule. So I, I think what they did the other day with that ceremony is a good first step toward that process.
1: I totally agree. It's one of the things, you know, from from my end, from following this team for so long and now more in, a, in an analyst capacity, just it was my hope that when Jerry had to to bow out that, that Dave Tepper wasn't going to be the type of guy that uh took a dump on the traditions and the past and the sam mills and and I think he's just he's done everything and and a cut above what we expected in terms of honoring that. And that's a very encouraging sign for a lot of Panthers fans because uh, you know, I, we had Jim Zoki, Bill Rosinski, Eugene Robinson recently on one of my podcasts. We reunited the whole band, got them back together. First time they've talked as a group in, in years on, on air. And uh, we wow. talked about this and, and they just thought the team is, is heading in a good direction in terms of, you know, their plan, but also not forgetting about, you know, the, the players in the past and, yeah. It's, it's good to see. Uh, Darren Gant, he is a Panthers.com reporter. And I think, by the way, that's fantastic, too. Quickly, your journey. You, you were with uh, Mike Florio and PFT. You obviously have, have been a number of stops here uh, regionally, and, and you've been an NFL reporter for years now. Uh, how did you find your way back into the uh, the, the, the circuit here? I, I like your, your Twitter, Brian, the bio. Okay, let's see if the old man can still sling it. What, I'm the Vinny
2: authority of riders. I, I jumped in <laughs> mid-season last year just to see yeah. if I could get through it. Uh, fortunately, they're not asking me to throw 60-yard passes, which Vinny could do once about every two or three weeks. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, it's going good. You know, the one thing I, I think is really neat about these guys, I mean, it's – I am a former newspaper writer, as Mm. most people who ever wrote for a newspaper become, uh, Mm. someday, (laughs) and and I'm a former internet website writer. I mean, listen, the the realities uh, for me, you know, in 2020, uh, the pandemic had an effect on the business at NBC and then layoffs were made. I was one of many people in that company. And the neat thing about where I'm at now, and, and I say this in all sincerity, Um, It is such a cool team of people working there for the team, the creatives, the video department, working with Kristen Balboni, who is just an Um, all-star. Bill and the team they put together there with social media and the website, it it reminds me a lot of working for a newspaper the way it used to feel. You're, You're walking into a newsroom, and you're working around people who are passionate about doing a good job. Um, it's a little bit different, obviously, working for the team as opposed to being, you know, independent. There are certain things, um... You know, I haven't really been limited. Nobody's ever said, Darren, you can't say that. We haven't Mm -hmm. gotten to that point. It's not like that necessarily. I mean, there are some differences, obviously, but it it does remind me a lot of my old days, whether it was at the Gaston Gazette, Rock Hill Herald, with The Observer. It reminds me of being in newsrooms full of passionate, energetic people. Don't you miss
1: those days? Man, don't you miss them, though? Man, it's just –
2: Hey, listen, it was a lot of fun. One of the most, uh, you know, uh, people give me a hard time about telling old stories all the time, but I'm like, the old stories were cool. I mean, Tom Tom Sorensen and I got into a car and drove to Alabama to watch Cam Newton's pro day. And on the way there, (laughs) we stopped to eat dinner at Abdul the butcher's house of ribs and Chinese food in Atlanta. And Abdul the butcher was there. So Tom and I are sitting around, chopping it up with Abdul the Butcher on our way to go watch Cam Newton's Pro Day. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you get into this business to do. It's cool. And you, you want to tell good stories. And there are a lot of people around that building uh, there that I get to work with now who are really passionate about telling good stories.
1: Well, Darren, I, I, can, I can relate on a much lower scale. I worked for the Greenville News for about a decade doing preps and the, the love of my life was on Friday nights going out there to cover uh, Pickens High School football or uh, J.O. Man, Greenville, whoever it might be. And, yeah. uh, you know, that business occasionally consolidated that type of, of stuff. And as you know, it it became more digital, less uh, actual reporting. But uh, life moves on, and, yeah. and, and so have
2: you. You got, and, and you got to work with my guy, Willie T. Smith.
1: Willie T. Smith. Let me tell you, Willie, Willie T., one t- of the best in the business nicest guy in the world uh, i've worked with jim rice bob costello uh, my two editors there great people uh, bart wright who i never talked to because he was never there uh huh. i was always out covering but he was the editor at the time uh bart just let jim and bob handle me that's the way that worked but uh, invaluable experience i'm sure you feel the same from your years working in a newsroom but I'm, I'm happy to hear that that's uh that's a good experience for you because i know bill a little bit i've met him at camp Uh, When I covered camp in 11 and he was fantastic in terms of helping me out with advice and uh, I I think just the entire team there you guys do a great job giving folks a, and I said this to you a while back and I think it confused you a little bit, giving folks an honest assessment of things because uh, it hasn't always been perceived that way around the league for team in-house outfits. But I think you guys give your guys freedom to work and you have freedom to work. And it's clear when you read the work and you see the content, it's great.
2: Yeah. And I think it's an opportunity and it's not just me. I mean, the Tennessee Titans hired Jimmy Wyatt who covered the team for the Tennessee and for a long time. The, the Cardinals yeah. had there urban yeah. Uh, a long-time newspaper man and a, and a close, close friend of mine. Okay. You know, there are a lot of teams around the league. I mean, listen – You want to talk about the old days. I mean, in the old days, there were 10 or 12 newspapers covering the Carolina Panthers. Now there's about one newspaper covering Mm -hmm. the Carolina Panthers and a website and, you know, our digital operation. So Mm -hmm. the the landscape's changed. But what you want to find are are people to work with, whether you're in football or sales or IT. You want to work with people who are passionate about what they do. And you want to work with people who care an awful lot uh, and care enough to work hard at it and and that's what you know that's what i've found since i've been in that building and it's part of what i enjoy the most
1: awesome to hear darren gant panthers.com has been our guest tonight you can catch him at panthers.com or at darren gant on twitter if you get to know darren a little bit uh, you want to feed all your fantasy football questions draft questions free agent questions especially the real hot take ones. send them to darren because he really loves that stuff
2: yeah, no question. But if you want to know how David Geddes is looking in practice, that's still Jonathan Jones' beat. So make sure to send all those his way.
1: Last question, your favorite John Foxism. Your favorite John Foxism. I mean, John, this is not
2: my first rodeo. I you know I, I've done a lot of these interviews. This is not my no, I, I – one day when we've got a couple hours, we yeah. can tell old Foxy stories. There's no doubt about that.
1: We'll get you back on with Rosinski and Zoki. We'll do a whole John Fox hour-long extravaganza. Maybe somebody can track down Fox himself. It'll be fun. There Darren, you appreciate you, man. Uh, love your work, and uh, we hope to stay in touch down the road. Enjoy free agent frenzy, my friend.
2: Thank you, John. You're too kind.
1: All right, buddy. Darren again right here on the World Pod.